guilty soul condemned by shame hear mercy calling out your name his blood can cleanse your every stain bring your failures to the cross hello and welcome to the community bible church podcast where we're doing a chapter by chapter weekly discussion of the book gentle and lowly the Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. My name is Joseph Brader. I'm the pastor of worship and discipleship at Community Bible Church of Orange Park, and I'm really excited to welcome two more guests to the podcast for the next couple of weeks, Linda Roddy and Tracy Farthing. Linda and Tracy lead our women's ministry at CBC, and Linda is also one of our deacons. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, when I had Lindsay and Carly on here, they shared really briefly what it is that they do in their ministry at CBC, and I'd love if you guys would take just a minute to do the same start. Okay. Uh, this is Tracy. Um, we have basically three parts in our women's ministry. We have small groups, which I guess now will be actually community groups. And then we have uh, some quarterly kind of fun fellowship times together that we have some ladies plan those. And then we have a fall conference that we put on every year, usually the first week end of October. This year it'll be September 30th and October 1st. Put a little plug in there. Yes, I love it. Um, so Linda and I get together and we pray about and plan the materials that we're going to use for the different small groups and pray and plan uh, the um, conference as well. So that's kind of what we do behind the scenes. Yeah, awesome. Linda? My role in the ladies' ministry is... Um, Tracy to do all the work and then I show up. I literally, I was I was watching you and I could see like we're going, I didn't know where exactly it was going, but I knew it was going somewhere like that. That, that truly is my role and I do pray, but my role um, is a care deacon is a mm-hmm. little bit different. I, I seek to come alongside our leadership and and in that role, I seek to help our body with the felt needs, mm-hmm. whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual and for me I I found a quote by Paul Tripp that I that I base this ministry on and he says God's people are meant to be the look on his face the touch of his hand Mm -hmm. the evidence of his love the picture of his presence and the visible demonstration of his faithfulness Mm -hmm. so that is that is what my ministry as a care deacon is is hoping to achieve yeah well and uh, you are achieving it you guys are um really a key part of so many of the things that are happening at cbc and we're really thankful for that that's a great quote isn't that wonderful yeah and it it even goes just with this whole gentle and lowly absolutely with our whole lives as believers oh man that's i think what what people have meant when they've kind of shorthanded the hands and feet of jesus and that can become a little cliche and be thrown out and a lot. I mean, a lot of different things, I think. But that trip quote really unpacks it helpfully and yes. gets at the heart of what that what that is. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thanks, guys. Um, and thanks for being on the podcast. I'm excited to hang out for a couple of weeks and, uh, and talk through some more of, um, of this book, some more of the ways that we are learning and processing the gospel in fresh ways and bigger ways, bigger ways than ever before. And I know I've had conversations with each of you guys off air, I suppose, whatever, off mic, uh, just in normal conversation. And I know that, that you've been impacted by the book in the same ways that I have. So, so I'm excited we get to share that a little bit with, uh, with our church family. And, uh, and, and the listeners. So uh, let's dive into chapter 19. This is called 
rich in mercy. And I, I have to say, if I'm being honest, I came to this chapter and I thought, haven't we spent the last three chapters kind of doing this? Like, I'm afraid it's going to get repetitive. And then, and then it might have been my favorite chapter in the whole book. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, this chapter, and well, I guess we'll get here, we'll get here a little bit later, but towards the end of the chapter, I got this sense of finality. I was like, this is where the whole thing has been going. But we have time to get there. First of all, thinking about God being rich in mercy, can you just summarize in your own words what that means? I, I couldn't help but think about the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if you take all of the, if you just have mercy, you know, he, he comes home to his father. His father opens the door, lets him in, you know, says he forgives him. But then the richness comes out and the fact that he doesn't even wait for him to get there. Yeah. He runs, he hugs him. And I hadn't noticed before that when the son comes to him and says, you know, he, he repents and asks forgiveness. The yeah. father doesn't even really respond to that. No, he doesn't. He just says, let's have a party. Exactly, he right? He the party. And so to me, that just demonstrates mm -hmm. the abundance of, of God's mercy towards yeah. us and the richness of that. Um, on page mm. it's 173, he that. says, but if, but if he is essentially merciful, mm -hmm. then for him to pour out mercy is for him to act in accord with who he is. Yeah. And I yeah. just love that parable because it's really hard for me to believe that that's how abundant his mercy is. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah. how he describes himself. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> that is so good. I, I had heard before a quote by Spurgeon that said, there is nothing little in God. Mm -hmm. And so when, you, when we look at this question about God's rich mercy, we can use all the adjectives. Mm -hmm. It is great. It is yeah. abounding. Yeah. It is, it is um, immeasurable, as mm -hmm. Ephesians 2 even goes on to talk about his immeasurable riches. And then Dane Ortland used the example, and he said, God is, God is the spring of all mercy. Mm -hmm. And I, I can visualize that, that he is continually yeah. overflowing. His mercy is just not exhausted. It's that right. spring that flows to us and flows to us. And again, there is nothing little right. about our God's mercy. Yep. You know, so. Yeah, amen. I mean, that is, yeah, that's awesome. I think, and we've talked about this in some of the other chapters, I suppose, in the book, but I think sometimes in a noble pursuit of big God theology, we've actually made his traits of grace and mercy small. You know, mm -hmm. while rightly acknowledging other aspects, other attributes, other activities and all kinds of things as big and as great, we have really minimized this kind of thing, which is sad because we don't want to minimize any part of God. But we certainly, of all the things to minimize, we don't want to minimize what he says is at his very heart. That's, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about the, the ways that the enemy lies to us. This is how he does it. Mm -hmm. Right? He does it in such a way that we're shocked by God being rich in mercy. That's a more dangerous lie to at least to people who have been around the church mm -hmm. than things that are completely and totally easily seen to be false, right? We see that coming a mile away. It's hard to get tripped up by these like outright satanic lies. This is the way that the enemy attacks us. He gets us to to question or doubt or misrepresent or misunderstand the character of God, the heart of God, the promises of God, the work of God. And so it's so refreshing to get kind of reset 
and to understand that God, A, is rich in mercy, and B, I guess, to, uh, to unpack what that actually means, rather than just a nice-sounding phrase in the middle of Ephesians mm-hmm. 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. Speaking of Ephesians 2, where this phrase, rich in mercy, comes from, at least where he's emphasizing it in uh, this chapter, how does Ephesians 2 help to form the way that you think about the power of the gospel in your own conversion and in your own life? Well, I think it is no coincidence that God allowed you mm. to preach <laughs> on Ezekiel 37. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Um, yeah. Um, and again, that is that is my conversion, mm-hmm. which I was, as Dane Ortland, um, I thought so, so mm. described, I was fraudulently good Fraudulently, person, yep. Which, yep. again... A really good way to put it. I thought right? so, too, yeah. in my mind, prior to Christ, mm-hmm. but in actuality, I was just as you preached, I was dry, dead bones. And just yeah. as Ephesians 2 said, I was dead in my trespasses and right. sins. But again, this God breathed life to me, mm-hmm. into me. He He fully resurrected me yeah. by His power. Yep. So it, it affects me greatly. Yeah. It's just as miraculous. Yes. Right? If every single one of us is just as dead as everybody else in our trespasses and sins, then every single conversion, every single time God brings a dead sinner to life, it's equally miraculous and equally powerful. And I like I understand that there can be testimonies that maybe are a little punchier, mm-hmm. if you will, right? That can hit a little harder. We were talking in staff meeting. Man, I don't even remember what the backstory was, but there's a story of someone who some someone who's now I think in ministry who literally was on their way to kill someone. They were in a gang. They were on their way to murder someone and were converted. I don't know what the I don't know what the backstory was. I don't know what happened. I mean that like that hits us differently, but that's no more miraculous than my conversion, which I'm 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 pretty sure happened when I was like four years old. Same thing. That's really encouraging, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's the same with, with the children in this church that have been raised mm-hmm. and that have heard the gospel from the pulpit, from their parents, from yeah. their Sunday school teachers, and yet they still need that deliverance from wrath. Yeah. They still need that breath poured into their dead bodies. Right. Their dead minds. Right. Part. Because there's still a, a little pile of dead, dry bones. Yes. <laughs> if that does not make sense to you, listen to the sermon from <laughs> Father's Day, and it will. Tracy, any like additional thoughts? I don't think so. No? What about um, what about the gospel's power, like in life moving forward? Uh, he talked about being seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He talks about uh, an invincible love that he yes. loves us with. That anything, I'm trying to find the quote, but it's something to the effect of anything that Christ has defeated, we have functionally defeated too. Mm-hmm. And it would take Jesus coming out of heaven and being buried dead back in yes. the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. For us to like find our way out of the love and blessings of God. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's necessarily much more to say there other than some gospel truth to chew on and meditate on and rest in. I think all of this is just a reminder for me that the the absolute necessity of being in the Word mm-hmm. and telling myself what does the Word say, yeah, not yeah. what do I feel, and and missing out on the. The rich, the riches of His mercy don't just happen when you're saved. You know, right, like you said right. it's it's ongoing through our lives, and then for all eternity. 
Yeah. So yeah, just pouring that into my head constantly mm -hmm. is so necessary to think rightly about, which he talks about some later, you know, our, yeah. our identity in Christ. Yes, yes, yeah, definitely. He gets into that a lot in chapter 20. Well then, last, last question uh, for today. Are you tempted to believe that God's mercy in Christ has passed you up in your suffering or has been squandered in your sin? Um, that's definitely a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. Even recently, I've had to work through having prayed about something over and over and over again and and not seeing an answer to prayer. That's mm -hmm. how I feel. Yeah. And, and it, I've been thinking about John 11. I think uh, Adam and Matt both preached on that mm -hmm. this, this spring. Yep. Yep. And hearing in my own heart, Mary and Martha saying, but Lord, if only you had been here. Right. And thinking, but if only you would answer this prayer, this right. is a good thing I'm praying for. Yeah. And thankful that I don't have to, I don't have to know what the answer is going to be, that I yeah. can rest in him and my suffering <clears throat> is for my good and, and more importantly for his glory. I think yeah. that's what I've learned the most is this is about your glory, not what, what I want ultimately. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness, for sure. I'm sure many, many people who are listening to this, who are reading along, uh, can identify with that feeling and that um, that struggle and the questions. Yeah. Linda, how about you? Yes, I, too, have had, had times when uh, Tracy and I have even discussed it just this week. There have, been, there have been times when I have assumed that God was doing nothing. Right. And that the that the deceiver would, would whisper in my ear or maybe shout yeah. into my ear, well, he, the Father, is loving others. He's showing mercy in, in others' lives. He's working in others, but yeah. not you. Yeah, yeah. You you don't deserve it. You right, know, it's, yep. He doesn't fully love you. Yep. And it's so true. I, I don't deserve it. But right. even as we talk about going to the Word, that's when we fight back and say he is rich in mercy mm -hmm. he is totally um doing something though we don't see it and, right and there have been times totally opposite where i have been in unbelievable suffering mm. and yet the mercy and the love of god is so beautifully yeah illuminated <clears throat> that I have not had an ounce of doubt. Yeah, so, yeah. And I have known his graciousness in my life. So yeah. I have, I've been both places. Do yeah. I do both? <laughs> you absolutely can do both. Yeah, no, for sure. I, yeah. I identify, I think, with the second part of that, thinking that it's squandered in my sin. I've talked a little bit about it on here before, but I'm just, I'm very introspective and I can get in my own head and in my, in my own feelings very quickly. And, and I tend to see in myself, I tend to see myself differently than I think I see other people. And I tend to see the worst parts of myself and amplify those. Mm -hmm. And so this is where, uh, at the end of the chapter, he said something that I felt like the whole book had pushed towards. My favorite quote in the entire book. I, you know, I'm a very emotional person, but I don't often, I'm not often like overcome where I have to just stop. I did when I read this quote. The things about you that make you cringe most make him hug hardest. I mean, right? <laughs> I just had to stop there for a couple minutes and pray and cry and just like soak that in. It's so far the opposite of how we normally think. 
which is where the enemy chases us, right? But he had referenced something earlier in the book, um, saying that, that you know the things that the things that we felt the worst about, the things that the darkest little corners of our sin that we hope no one else ever found out about, all of these kinds of things. He said that's where God in Christ enters in with us, and I felt like this sentence summed up almost everything he had said in the first 18 and a half chapters before mm-hmm. that and was incredibly, incredibly encouraging. And it helps us to understand how the gospel answers those kinds of questions or objections about the mercy of God passing us over or being squandered in our sin and things like that. Well, we're just about out of time, but any last thoughts or comments or anything from you guys? Could I read the last sentence in the chapter? Please do. That would be great. It means on that day when we stand before him, quietly, unhurriedly, we will weep with relief, shocked at how impoverished a view of his mercy-rich heart we had. I love that. Yeah. He had I a, look forward to that day. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Me too. Me too. Well, uh, thank you guys for um, joining me in here for this conversation, and uh, thank you all for listening. I hope, as always, that this is sparking some conversation with you and that it's encouraging you in the same way that it's encouraging us as we consider the gospel and the love and mercy and grace of Jesus. Um, but I want to finish by reading Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Find your comfort, come you lost and find your home. There is grace for every sinner, perfect rest in Christ alone.